Are you ready to create financial freedom through a less conventional real estate method? TJ Tajani is a self-made millionaire that cracked the code on profitable short-term rentals. He teaches people how to master real estate even without owning it themselves and how to get into the game fast. If you're ready to find out how you can create cash flow and financial freedom through real estate, then the short-term game with TJ Tajani is for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Short-Term Rentals with the king of short-term rentals, TJ Tijani. How are you doing, TJ? I am doing great, great, great. Today's a great day. Ready (laughs) to tap in and educate some folks. Absolutely. That's right. And we are super excited for today's topic because I feel like everyone is looking for something different on a property when they are investing. But in your personal opinion, what are your top five characteristics that you look for that make you say, yes, this building is ready for Airbnb, for BRVO, short-term rentals? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, these these characteristics kind of change depending on, depending on how you're approaching this property, whether you're owning it or whether you're not owning it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things to look out for when if you're arbitraging it, mm-hmm. if you're co-hosting it, um, or if you're owning it. And I'm start with ownership because again, ownership should always be the goal in this business. I don't care how you get into this game. I think whether you are mainly an arbitrage person or you are a co-hoster, but the goal should always be ownership. And I think if you if you only own, you should explore the other strategies to, to help increase your, your cash flow because the most important thing in this business, and I always, always say, is the foundation. It's the infrastructure. So for us, when we look to own these properties, there are a lot of a lot of key metrics that we look for. Now, when it comes to ownership and real estate, I like to tell people like it really doesn't matter how you exit this deal. I can make it a short-term rental when I bought when I buy it. But whether I make it a short-term rental, whether I flip it, whether I wholesale it, whether I make it a long-term buy and hold property, you make your money when you buy in real estate. It really doesn't matter what exit that you do. And if you do it the right way, there's a saying in real estate, there's a saying goes, it's really hard to mess up a good deal. And that's true. <laughs> that's true. If you actually buy it right, this is also the reason why I love real estate in the sense that you could be brand new in this business and make a lot of noise in this business, just in real estate, period. Because the issue of money shouldn't ever be an issue in real estate. Because if you can get good at identifying a deal, and I actually breaking down the right deal and identifying a good deal, the money will come. And so uh, because of that, it makes real estate one of the best investment strategies. It makes it really dangerous for anybody who's willing to put in the work to see success in this business. Now, when you're looking to purchase, a few things you want to make sure that you look out for. Because again, like I mentioned, you're making money when you buy. This is why I look for things like the same, the same exact criteria that I would look for if it's if I was to purchase a traditional rental property, it's the same criteria I look for when I'm purchasing my short-term rentals. So it has to have equity. And equity is and equity is important. When we buy our short-term rentals, the way we buy them and exit, we will have at minimum 20% equity. This is the same way if we were to do a long-term traditional rental. Why? Because I buy them as if they're long-term traditional rental, but I just exit with short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. So I do this for multiple reasons. For one, I am still making sure that I'm still satisfying the bank. I buy my properties just like I would any any house that would be a long-term rental property because that still satisfies the bank's numbers. When I go to refinance, I refinance with long-term traditional numbers, 100%. But we make them short-term rentals, but we refinance with long-term rentals. And I do this also because that way we know for sure it will cash flow with a regular tenant. 
If you're looking to buy, one of the biggest things you should look for when you're buying these short-term rentals is will it make money with a regular tenant? Hmm. Because we know it'll make money as a short-term rental. Right. Yes, 100%. But you never know what could happen to your marketplace. What if I buy a property that will cash flow with a short-term rental but won't cash flow with a traditional rental and something happens in my neighborhood? A deed restriction comes into play that will not that will stop me from doing my business as a short-term rental. And your only choice is to either make it a traditional rental or sell it, right? So now, but if we make it a traditional rental, we always have that backup. We always have that fallback. That way, if something happens in our particular marketplace, we can always fall back into making that property a regular tenant, putting a regular tenant in it and still being in the green, right? So this is why when we purchase our short-term rentals, we still purchase them as if they're traditional rentals. And this is important. Even in our boutique hotel brand, the, mm -hmm. these medium-sized multifamily assets that we're buying right now, they're not just making money if we run them as a hotel. They're making money. If I put a long-term regular market rate tenant in every single one of those units, I'm still going to be good. I'm still going to make money. The mortgage is still going to be paid and we're still going to cash flow. That's right. Be and because and you want to make sure that you do it this way because you don't know what could happen. You want to make sure that you have that plan B. So I love that because when we, when we now buy them as traditional rentals, that means now that because we're doing them as Airbnb, we're not even factoring that. We're not even looking at those numbers when we're buying them. We're looking at regular traditional rentals. So when I get qualified with a bank, I send them a traditional lease agreement. Hmm. Traditional leases. That's how we make sure we get qualified. We still satisfy the bank's DSCR requirement. So we still make sure we do that. So equity, we still check for equity. It has to cash flow with a regular tenant. Not just short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. We exit with Airbnb. We exit with short-term rental, but it's a cash flow with a regular tenant. It still has to cash flow with a regular tenant. So we still look for that. Out-of-pocket costs. How much out-of-pocket does it cost to me for this deal? If you, if anybody knows anything about me and, and listens to everything that I've been talking about and the way I like <laughs> to purchase our short-term rental property mm -hmm. is that we buy them with private capital. We buy them ugly. Because we buy them ugly, we're able to leverage private capital to not only handle the purchase, but also the, the, the rehab as well. So we buy them at a deep discount. So we, how much money out of pocket is it actually costing me? And if I do shell out money out of my pocket to fund this deal, will I get it back on the refi? At minimum, I need to be able to get it back on the refi. That's what the velocity of money comes in. Because when you have the velocity of money, you invest, you get it back. Now you're able to do it all over again. That's how I'm able to scale. I invest money. As soon as I refinance, cash out, I have at minimum 80% equity. Cash out refi, I'm doing it all over again. Another short-term rental property. And so am I from a, from how much money out of my pocket is it? That's another, that's another metric right there. Then the location. I like to buy my properties. Great locations for short-term rentals. Highly gentrifying areas. Areas that are up and coming, right? So I look for, um, of course, you're going to get the benefits of tax benefits of depreciation, but it's in a, is it in an opportunity zone, right? This is another tax strategy, a tax benefit that you can do. You can defer the taxes. You can defer your tax payments while you own that property, right? For 10 years up until you sell it or whatever you do with it, right? So that's another metric that we look for. So when we look, essentially, all the metrics is that you would be, if it, even if it was a traditional rental, but that still those metrics still same applies, even though we're exiting 
as a short-term rental, 100%. So that's what we look at when we look, if we owning these properties, that's more so what we're looking at. It's a lot more numbers to sift through, a lot more um, data to sift through, a lot more KPIs to sift through, right? But we want to make sure that even though these properties we're exiting with short-term rentals, they have to be able to make sense with a traditional rental. That's one of the biggest things that we look at in our business. And just having that safety net, having that requirement has saved us a ton of headaches, it saved us in being worried about the marketplace, right? A lot of times people are worried about what the market's doing right now, but we bought them right. Remember, it's hard to mess up a good real estate deal if you buy it right. It's really hard. So that way, if you buy it right, no matter what the market's doing, you're still in good shape. You're still That's in good right. shape. So this is why we like to buy a short-term rentals the way we like to buy them. Um, when, you, when you're arbitraging, now when you're looking to rent these properties, there's still research that you need to do, right? Now your, your numbers are more so... What is your like? What is that that mail that max liable offer like? What is, you need to tap? Make sure you know and tally up all what your expenses are, and that rent is also going to play in a factor as well. And so, what a lot of folks are question, a lot of folks are asking right now is like, well, you know, rent rates rent rates are going up. You know, you got you got inflation is increasing their rent rates. That's right. So how do you do it? For so like sh should you that? still should you still arbitrage? That's the question. Is arbitrage is still a good play? I think it 100% still is a good play because for one, we don't rent an arbitrage the way most people do. Now, if you're somebody who just wants to come in and say that, hey, um, we want to do this Airbnb thing with your property, we want to rent out this one property, we want to do this Airbnb thing, well, you know, we'll pay whatever market rent that you want. Okay, maybe that's gonna that's gonna affect your margins because you're paying whatever the market rate is. You know, even though the rental rates on Airbnb has gone up as well. That's still going to eat into your cash flow. If you're used to paying twelve hundred for a property, and now you got to pay eighteen hundred for that property because of inflation, that's going to eat into your cash flow one hundred percent. But if you're somebody like me who goes in and says that, "Hey, I'll take all five of your units, and I rent it for three years," and because of that, we'll, we actually want two hundred dollars off the rent every month. And, and you do have that leverage to actually negotiate. Exactly, we have that leverage to negotiate, and and because we rent a random for that long, we want a discount. And understand that we're not just asking for this, just to ask. understand that we're going to be a perfect tenant while we're at it. Nobody's going to take care of this property, but we're going to take care of this property. You're going to get your rent paid on time every month, fully automated. Matter of fact, here's a here's proof, here's rent payments that we've made to all of our other landlords in an automated fashion. So all these additional incentives that you bring in a landlord, because understand a landlord just wants peace of mind. You can bring them peace of mind and give them peace of mind across their portfolio. Yes, they'll give you that discount. Yes, they'll be able to rent, rent it out to you for long for longer term. And that is what people that that is the difference between people that just want to do Airbnb and people who are actually looking to grow a short term rental business, right? And so these are the things you want to, you want to, you want to look out for when you are positioning yourself to move and and take on these properties. On the co-host side, kind of the same thing still applies, right? On the co-host side, understand that you're not renting it, so you are, but you are more so just managing it. So on the co-host side, it's not so that's not so much something you had to worry about because you and a, and the owner and the landlord, y'all are both sharing. Like whatever that rental rate is, is what he is paying. Your landlord is paying that rent, right? So your job as a co-host is just to make sure that you are maximizing their cash flow. You're maximizing their opportunity. You're making them more money than they would if without if they were to make it a traditional lease. You're making them more money. And, and they're seeing the value of your work. And so if you're able to do that, and the co-host plays definitely a great play for you. And so there's a lot of things to look at. 
when you're considering owning these or arbitraging or co-hosting, a lot of metrics to look out for, a lot of uh, points to look out for. Um, but the the ownership route, of course, as you can imagine, is the most kind of analytical driven process. There's just so much more that you have to know and to do and to, to understand on, a, on the ownership side to, to be successful in this business. So those are definitely things that you want to look out for. Um, but if you're willing to put in that work and do that research on the front end, and that, what that's going to do is it's going to give you the confidence to know that you're moving into the right property. And you're going to be able to run a place safely and with confidence. And with that right research, you'll realize and see that the cash flow is where it needs to be 100%. That's right. And I feel like it all comes down to you doing your homework. Make sure to run your numbers and make sure to that making sure that the deal actually makes sense. Yes. And it's really cool how you mentioned um, that it's better to plan it as if it was like a regular rent that you would be getting instead of a short term. Because I feel like also that gives peace of mind to the bank because yes. they have a more stable number. Yes. Because you were mentioning how uh, in the case of like short term rentals, all of these numbers, they have to fluctuate they with do. the market. I don't think a bank would be like, oh, yeah, like we have way more income on this month, but way less income on the other one. Yeah, yeah. we're 100 percent going to give you the deal and yeah. all the money that you need. No, I don't think the bank would take it better. Absolutely. And the banks that I work with, you know, you know, lendings is all based on relationships, right? And the the banks that I work with, they have a strict criteria. They love long-term stable renters, right? This is a local bank. Now, what you'll find, though, is that a lot of institutions, a lot of banks, a lot of lenders are coming out with short-term rental products. A lot of them. When I was getting into this game, there was literally one. There was none at first. The first bank kind of came out and said that, okay, we're offering, we will consider short-term rental income. This is probably around 2019 that that, that, that that came out. And so it's one of those things to where a lot more banks are coming out with products. There are DSCR loans that are coming out that are favoring short-term rental products heavily now. But there are banks that are looking at short-term rental products and, and short-term rental numbers and income to qualify you. With that being the case, I still buy my properties the way I do. <laughs> I still buy the way I do. Because again, that plan B is just too crucial for me. Like that is just because my yields are better. And when I buy them the way I do, imagine if it'll make money with a traditional rental, how much more money is it making Ooh. as a short-term rental? Like that spread is amazingly nice. So if you're able to create that spread by buying it right, buying it with traditional numbers in, in mind on the front end, it just makes your spread even crazier. Now, there, there, there are investors that I know, there are people that do this business at a high level that I know that buy properties turnkey. They put down a down payment, uh, whatever they need. Usually, they look for a 30% cash on cash, which is great. That's phenomenal returns. Now, if you're getting that 30% cash on cash with traditional rental numbers, that's even better. But they look for 30% cash on cash with short-term rental numbers, which isn't bad. That's great. But I, for me, I'd much rather have 30% cash on cash with a traditional rental. And that cash on cash with a short-term rental is now, you're looking at at least 3x. That, that cash on cash is at least 90% now, <laughs> right? So so that's more so what we look for uh, when we're looking to identify these properties for sure. Well, thank you so much again. And to our audience, just run your numbers. Make sure to do your research. It's super easy to find all of these many resources. We have the internet now, so you can definitely do it. TJ, thank you so much again for no sharing worries. your amazing tips and tricks for finding the best location. See you on the next episode, you guys. Bye.